Hello, Conspirituality Podcast listeners. Welcome to a sample of our weekly Patreon bonus episode. If you'd like to support our research and production time and help keep us ad-free and editorially independent, you can subscribe for $5 a month to listen to these Monday episodes or choose a higher tier to access our live streams and bonus videos. All of this is available at patreon.com slash conspirituality. Thank you for your support. But thank you, Matt. That's really helpful. But we've, we were talking earlier about the Ukraine war, I suppose, in light of David Letterman talking to Zelensky and just their presentation of this product is pretty sanitary or hagiographic even, because uh, what I feel is that with the, the way that Putin is reported on continually as like sort of a malodorous and sick, filthy old Parkinson ridden, self defecating filth bag, it feels like that there's sort of that there's an inability to think critically in a nuanced way about a complex situation. When Jeffrey Sachs came on the show, he gave us a sort of a rundown on events uh, between NATO and Russia from two, from the 90s. So, you know, he just gave us a sort of a whistle-stop tour between, well, they said NATO wouldn't impinge, NATO impinged. They said they wouldn't meddle in elections, they meddled in elections. And all the way through to sort of military-industrial complex stuff. Do, do you think we're at a point, Matt, where all news is propaganda or at least the majority of mainstream news is propaganda. I, I think we're pretty close to that. I, I, I mean, I, I know for a fact that there are certain stories out there that would not have a home in traditional corporate media. Um, uh, and that that is new, right? I, once upon a time, um, a news organization was most interested in whether or not they had a big story. They didn't think about other considerations. Very rarely you would see something like uh, the New York Times reaching out to the CIA uh, or having conversations with them about whether or not they should print something. But now I think that's routine across the entire business. I think maybe not the contact, but there's a presumption that we only print things that we think are going to like help whatever the cause is. And so there's, you know, the, you combine that with the, with the social media censorship, um, which, which is, and manipulation, which is just so sophisticated. Uh, now it, it, I don't know how you would cover something like the Ukraine war um, and, you know, and, and have an impact. Right. Because you'd, you'd be you'd be drowned out if you had a counter counter narrative fact um, by so much other stuff. Um, it would be difficult to report on. Well, let me just say it, it can't be a, a Russell Brand segment without him using words like hagiographic and malodorous. <laughs> uh, to, you know, I, I often wonder when he's talking to people in, in a live moment, if they are even making sense of a lot of what he says. Um, it, it couldn't be hagiographic because neither Zelensky nor Putin are dead. I think a hagiography is, <laughs> is a myth that is propagated about someone after they die. I, I could be wrong about that. And malodorous, well, I portraying Putin as being stinky. I don't, I, I don't know, but notice here, Brand brings up Ukraine and how Jeffrey Sachs has helped him see Putin's justification for the invasion based on NATO doing things they said they weren't going to do. And so therefore invading Ukraine and bombing the crap out of their cities and, and, you know, all of the atrocities being committed against those people somehow are held in a, in a, it should be held in some sort of neutral uh, moral space where we, we uh, put aside our judgments. Uh, he talks about how Putin is demonized 
And then he asks, is all mainstream news now propaganda? He actually says, is all news now propaganda? And Taibi perpetuates this conspiracist generalization move. All media is now in contact with the CIA. Social media censorship also colludes in controlling the narrative. Nothing else will get through. It's just so irresponsible. I know I've mentioned this before, but there was a style of writing, which Lamont de Arthur was written in, called Amplificatio. I'm going to mm. guess it's the precursor to amplification. Any linguist can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But uh, it, it was this sonorous style where the repetition of rhyming in words would give you a vibe, a feeling, so that the words themselves didn't matter that much. It was the feeling you got in when you were with the speaker. And at that time, it was really important because not a lot of people were literate. So the people who were literate, they needed translators, i.e. people who were orators, reading to them, and they had to capture the moment. We still have this in theater. It's very common. But Russell really exploits that in people by just throwing out words there that don't actually fit into the context, but they're multisyllabic. And so they'll just think, wow, he's right. They won't actually go back and read the transcript like you did and then actually say, wait, what? he's not actually saying anything. Um, along those lines, I really want to know how much these guys read beyond headlines and how often they check any other source besides the New York Times, right? The Guardian does excellent reporting. ProPublica is one of the best organizations out there for actual investigative reporting. Now, as I said off the top, Russell lambasts the MSM, but then shares headlines from British tabloids as if it was the New York Times or CNN reporting. Mm -hmm. Now, in this clip, Taibi makes a lot of accusations without citing a journalist or a story. It's all broad strokes that they want to make complex when it's really quite simple. Pay attention to us, not them, even though we're going to use them as punching bags in order to pay attention to us. Now, I could have more commentary if they actually cited a situation, but instead Russell is too transfixed by a Netflix docuseries by a former late-night TV host who does long-form interviews, and quite well in my opinion. But how does Netflix get tied into New York Times reporting? It only happens in that fire hose of Russell that and his followers that people aren't really going to pay attention to. Yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned some of these these various sources of uh, really good investigative journalism, right? Because the 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 narrative, uh, to use their word, that so many of these people uh, try to sell is that everyone except for them is in the bag. It, 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 and like at the behest of these corrupted institutions and they're all just saying the same thing and you can't ever contradict them or else you'll be ostracized. And it's like, yeah, what about ProPublica? What about The Guardian? What about it? The, the New York Times also does really, really good work. 